I'm actually pretty excited to, to preach a little bit because there's been a lot of good things happening. The Lord's been speaking to me, and um, he asked me to start talking back on the area of faith uh, again for the church. And so I think it's always good to revisit these things because about the time we, you know, we get on to righteousness or we get on praying in the Holy Spirit, it's about the time you need to get back on faith. And so you never outgrow the area of faith, I think. I've heard many people, uh, Brother Hagen and Mark Hagen said they could preach one subject for 52 weeks and still not exhaust. You may have exhausted what you know, but you did not exhaust everything God has to say about that subject. And so if God will show you something new for etern- every day for eternity, for the rest of eternity, I think there's a lot more we can do in the area of faith on that subject. So we're going to start off with going to Hebrews 11. This sermon title is called Faith Opens the Door. And so I believe that, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And uh, Hebrews 11, 1, and the Lord's just been doing a lot of stuff in my life, but I've really been studying this area because I want to, you know, you, you hear about all these great men of faith and where they started and then now what they have. And they started, you know, broke, driving an old automobile and then started preaching the word and get, you know, hearing about faith. The next thing you know, their whole lives have changed. And so um, the more you study faith, I think Mary Fran made a good statement that the, the manifestations of God will never be any more real in your life than the God in your soul. And so if God is big inside of you, and that's where faith begins, then you'll see the manifestations and the demonstrations of God. If you don't spend a lot of time in the word, and I love, I'm going to kind of continue on pastor's vein of communion if you don't spend a lot of time communing with God, you're going to have a very low-grade faith. That'll be my third point, but we'll get there. So Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith opens the door to the supernatural, just faith opens the door. Hebrews 1, now faith is, which I love that because faith is, it's not was or is going to be. Faith is now. It's always constant, always working. Is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I want to look at the first word, substance. Faith is an actual substance. It actually produces something you can feel, something you can touch. Uh, I'm going to go to that John 15, 7. I, I think there's a, I got to see there out of Mark Hankins' book. It says, if you abide in me and my words are living in you, you'll ask whatsoever you will. It will leap into being. It will become a fact. The literal translation. I, I can't find it online anywhere, but I found it. So he's saying that if you, if you abide in me, you, like what pastor's been talking about, you stay in close communion, my words, so faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, my words stay living in you, you'll ask whatever you will, and it will leap into being, it will become a literal fact. So one night, I'm at the CVS in Sorrento, and it's just me in there by myself, and I'm getting some toothpaste, and I, this guy comes walking in, and you know, he looks pretty decked out, but it's, I'm just thinking, all right, whatever, maybe just be an extra well, I walked outside, and, and there's two, my truck's here, and his car is here, and he's driving a Rolls-Royce Phantom. And, uh, you know, the one that has all the stars on the top of it, and I mean, it's beautiful. And um, it's what Amber wants, is that what you want? You, you have that? Oh, the stars in the top, yeah. So I haven't, I haven't really seen one of those in a long time, because I used to work for my brother-in-law, Steve, and you'd see that stuff around. But I'm standing there in the middle of the night, and our cars are, like, parked right next to each other. And I'm like, Huh. And so, you know, the Lord said to me, you know that a lot of people in church would never believe they could have something like this. And I said, well, I mean, I agree. I mean, 
it's kind of a waste of money, right, just for a Rolls-Royce Phantom. And I got in my truck, and he said, did you know that your faith produced a literal substance you're sitting in? I said, oh, yes, it did. He said, you can feel it, you can touch it, and you can drive it. Why? Because that's where you put your faith, that that's what you wanted. And he said, that can work for anybody because nothing's impossible with God. He said, you ask, he said, you ask whatsoever you will, and it will leap into being, it will become a fact. And so faith works, you know, there's something called the law of faith. And so faith works every time, no matter what. And it's just, and fear is faith perverted, but it's working in the opposite direction. And so Brother Hagin made a statement. He said, a man will get for in life whatever he believes, nothing more and nothing less. And I heard that Mark Hagin said that. And he said, what you're believing for, that's what you're going to get. You're not going to get any less than that, and you're not going to get any more than that. So the more, like pastors have been preaching, you're communing with God, the more God's going to expand you to believe for bigger. Because sometimes, you know, like you get, you get stuck. I've been here for a while, and, you know, okay, cool. We got the Bible school rolling. It's doing good. The church is doing good. I got my dream truck. It's like, man, I made it. You know, I'm, you can, then you start slacking off. And God wants to do more. And so I've been, I was watching Brother Jonathan preaching about how the Lord started dealing with him about taking an entire city, having the faith for it. And he said, I'm just the only one crazy enough to believe God that I could do it. And he started pulling it off. And he, and he started, somebody gave him an $8 million church. And then right after that, within a few months, the, the church grew. And then he, he got a stadium from a couple of business owners that rented it out to him. And he, it holds almost, I think right now he's up to like 800 people in it. And he just started it this year. Then he did still City Fest because he believed God that I'm going to rent the football stadium. Instead of a game, I'm going to do a crusade. And he did the first still City Fest in a smaller one. He said, I'm not there in the bigger one yet, but I just told God I'm going to start believing you. So he, he grabbed the scripture. I know I'm jumping around. And it's going to be Acts 13.34. You don't have to turn there, but if you can put it up. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. He said he took that scripture and he stuck it up over his bed. He stuck it up in his bathroom, stuck it up in his house. He says when he wakes up, he looks at that scripture every single day. Now the whole, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Until that scripture got inside of him and it actually produced a literal thing that actually happened where still City Fest was only a few months, like a month ago. And almost, uh, I think they said they had 3,000 people come out. And he said he's not done. He's, he's wanting to rent the bigger one. And so, you know, and he's talking about how everyone's saying that, you know, the church is, is going into decline, all these bad things are happening, we're going to have a food shortage. And he said, that's not what the book of Isaiah said. It says in the last days, it says that the house of the Lord will be the highest mountain of the, all the earth. And, I, and I, I wrote, it's in somewhere, I have it written down, but I don't know where it is, but it's in Isaiah. And he was saying that on the last days, the body of Christ will, will literally be the biggest move of God that will ever happen. And he says that it says in the Bible that like in the days of Noah, people will be, will be eating, they'll be drinking, they'll be marriage and giving in marriage. He said, they're not, we're not going to be in an apocalyptic like the book of Eli, you know, running around, you know, shooting, shooting your neighbor, trying to grab food. Now, I think it's right to prepare for things like inflation and things that happen. I mean, I got chickens, I got a chicken coop. I don't want to pay $6 for a thing of eggs. So, but he made a good point because if people are getting married and people are celebrating, that means that day is going to come on them unexpectedly. But it doesn't mean that the church is going to be starving and hunger and, you know, we're going to be like shooting crows and squirrels trying to survive. He said, no, in the last days of the Lord, the mount, the house of the Lord will be the highest mountain over all the earth. And so 
I, if I find that scripture in Isaiah, I'll, I'll, I'll quote it. But that really got my faith stirring that we need to start believing for bigger as a church. So we grabbed that scripture and we have it on everybody's uh, whatever their office. It's sitting, yeah, our monitors or screens. And so when that happened and dad goes, print it out, get it on, I want it, I want it on everything. So we, now that scripture is everywhere and that's what we're believing for. The whole city of Apopka is going to be, is going to come to hear the word of the Lord. And so if it happened for Jonathan, it's going to happen for us. It's, the word works whether you're in the desert or whether you're in a city, it doesn't matter. It's, it's going to work. And so dad is big on vision and he always makes a statement, if you can't see what you can't see, you're never going to see it. And he always says, if you want a truck, what do you do? Come on. Get a picture of it. Go to the dealership. Put it on your wall and look at it. Well, I noticed something the other day that um, I, I was uh, looking through my phone, dumping photos or church stuff on the, my computer, and I was getting ready to preach, and I saw all the dates of things that I believe God for. And so I'm going to show you some of those tonight. Um, and how they literally, the, what he told me to do, it, all of it came to pass. And so he's very big on vision. And I've always, you know, Habakkuk uh, 2.2 says, without vision, the people, they perish, they cast off restraint. I mean, people lose hope. I don't know if you have Habakkuk 2.2. And the Lord answered me and says, write the vision, make it plain on the tablets that he may run who reads it. The next one, two, three. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So it's saying that it, that it may be in the process of working, but a vision, it says it will speak and then at the appointed time it will come if you wait. So the Bible also says through faith and patience you inherit the promise. And so God always uses vision to bring to you what he wants you to believe him for, right? And so I'm going to read Hebrews 11 in the passage translation. I don't know if, I don't think we have passage and um, you can just put it up in the King James. Faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Faith empowers us to see the universe that was created beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. I love the first part. Faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things that we're longing for. So I love that part. Faith brings our hopes into a reality. I want to go to a gen... Uh, so the first thing is, is that faith will actually produce a substance. It will produce something that's positive or negative. Mary Fran was telling a story the other night about the quartz that they said, the scientists said when they started to look for the quartz, they started to believe that there was something more out there in whatever that nucleus or that atom, that there was something deeper than what that they saw that, sh that they said that something actually revealed itself to us. And I, in the Bible, it says, Jesus says, if you seek me, You'll find me if you search with me with all your heart. I believe that's in the book of Jeremiah uh, 29, 13. And so Mary Fran said the other night that when you start searching for something, seeking it, she says then that gives that thing, that, that ability, it attracts it to you. Amen. And starts, like you're pulling it to yourself. Something Lynn Hammond said, Mac Hammond's wife out in Michigan, 
Hunger is a vacuum in the spirit that draws things to you. And so really what you start focusing on is what start you start pulling towards yourself. And we're going to see that in some other different, um, with the children of Israel going into the promised land, what they were believing for. Everyone who, the ones that believed they could go into the land of milk and honey, they went into the land. The ones that said that they would stay there and die, they stayed there. And they got exactly what they believed for. And so let's go to uh, Genesis 15. So the first thing is, is faith will always produce a substance, positive or negative. Dr. Cho said uh, he, he pastored the largest, before he died, the largest church in uh, South Korea. And he said that when one of his church members was dying, he said the first thing he did was to get them to vision envision themselves living. Because if he got there and they're, as he said, the cart was moving to the ER room and they saw themselves, I'm going to die. He said, I knew they would die. But if they could see themselves living and doing something, so I tried to get them to picture what they would be doing in the next year. And he said, I would talk to them. He said he lost some people because they, they wouldn't change. But some people, when they would come into million member church, somebody's probably going to the hospital pretty regularly. But he said the people that he could talk to and they would change what they saw, they would live. Because that's what they saw themselves doing. And so your expectation is very powerful. So Genesis 15, so we're going to see this. After the 15.1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, do not be afraid. I love a vision. He's showing him a picture. Do not be afraid. I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. But Abraham said to the Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abraham said, then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but the one that will come from your own body will be your heir. Then he, look at this verse, brought him outside and he said, look now toward heaven and count the stars. So here's what he's saying. I'm going to show you what I'm going to do, but I got to get you to see it first. If you can't see what you can't see, you're not going to see it. Come outside. Look up. Now, Abraham didn't have a computer. He couldn't print photos out. Can't get, can't get like the Lord didn't say, hey, print out all the, you know, a bunch of children and put them up on your wall. <laughs> you know, he didn't have in his tent a bunch of pasted with some sticky, you know, some, some sticky tape, <laughs> some internet photos. Of, yeah. But he, the Lord said, I'm going to show you in a way that I, you have to see it. So he said, brought him outside and he said, look toward heaven. And he said, count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, so shall be your descendants. And it said, Abraham believed in the Lord and he accounted to him for, for righteousness. So the first thing God did to Abraham was he said, I need you to get a vision of something. I need you to look at something. So go to Genesis 30, 25. I want to show you something else. And a friend of mine um, has always talked to me about getting a vision wall and I've never done it fully. I've always done like a few pictures here and there. And the pictures that I've always put up, they've always come to pass. But I never got like a whole vision board. I'm like, oh, man, that's great. It's a great idea. Yeah, I'll do it one day. You know, I may print like one or two photos out. And then I'm just like, okay, I got stuff I got to do. You know, this is, this is not important. I mean, it is important, but it's not important. I got, you know. And I realized the other day how important it really was. Because the stuff that I had posted up and the stuff I had saved to my phone all came to pass. The stuff that I've been believing for that I really didn't, haven't like put it in front of me as a vision, it still hasn't come to pass yet. 
And I thought, maybe that's the key. And then the Lord started showing me these scriptures. So Genesis 30, 25, this is Jacob's agreement with uh, Laban. Uh, Laban tricked him into marrying Rachel and then marrying Leah. And so he's working for him seven years and then another seven years. And now Jacob's getting tired and he wants to leave. So it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place in my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I've served you and let me go for I know my service which I've done for you. And Laban said to him, please stay. If I've found favor in your eyes and I've learned by experience, the Lord has blessed me for your sake. He said to him, name me your wages and I'll give it. So Jacob said to him, you know how I've served you and your livestock has been with me for what for what you have had before me I came was little and has increased a great amount. So the Lord has blessed you since my coming and now when I shall, I shall also provide for my own house. So he said to him, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will give me this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flocks today, removing from there the speckled and the spotted sheep, the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and the speckled among the goats. These shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in the time to come when the subject of my wages comes before you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it's with me. So Laban said, oh, that will be according to your word. He's like, this is a great deal. So he removed all the male goats that were speckled and spotted, female goats that were speckled and spotted, everyone that had some white in it and all the brown ones among the lambs and gave them into the hand of his sons. Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob and fed the rest of Laban's flock. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green, what is that, poplar? Poplar, and the almond of the chestnut trees peeled white strips into them and exposed them white, which was on in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters and the watering throws where the flocks came to drink. So they were, that they should conceive when they came to drink. So he's sticking a bunch of spotted and speckled stuff in their trough that when they're, they look at the speckled, they look at the spotted all day long as they're drinking. So the flocks conceived before the rods and the flocks brought forth, streaked, speckled, and spotted. Jacob separated the lambs that made the flocks face, face towards the streaked and all the brown in the flock of Laban. And he put his own flock by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flock. And it came to pass whenever the stronger um, livestock conceived that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. When the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feeblers were Laban's and the strongers were Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had a large flock, female and male servants, camels and donkeys. I find that very interesting. Where did he learn that from? Where did he get that idea? Probably communion with God, talking with God. God showed him like he showed Abraham. Because this is only 15 chapters later. And so what to me is funny is how the, the sheep don't even have any faith. I mean, they're not, you know what I mean? But what they're looking at, they start to reproduce what they see. And I thought that, and the Lord began to say, what you're looking at all the time is where you're going and what you're going to see. And so if you're always looking negative, you're always looking at things that are not right, and the problem, well, that's, you're just going to keep digging yourself further into, into the, like the Laban flock. But you start putting your eyes on what God said in his word and where you want to be and what you're dreaming of, you're going to have the Jacob kind of results. And I love it how it worked with animals. It didn't even have to be people. Let's go to Matthew 4, 8. 
I can remember where Matthew is, somewhere in the still Old Testament. Matthew 4, 8. So this time it's going to work in the negative, sort of. But even Satan figured this out. And again, the devil took him up an exceeding high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and said to him, all these things I'll give to you if you fall down and worship me. That's a temptation for Jesus, right? Satan didn't just come to him in the wilderness and said, if you bow down and worship to me, I will give you all this. No, he took, he took him up and he showed him a vision. And he said, look at all this. If you, what, what you see, I will give to you. So even Satan uses vision. And you, you'll hear it in the world all the time that even that businessmen will start to believe uh, what the things that they're wanting, what they're desiring, and they'll put pictures up. And a lot of times it's for greed, it's for gain, it's the hustle, this and that, and it's not for God's glory, but they're using the same tactics. Our Ty Lopez said one time, he said, I don't know why uh, donating to charities has made me rich, but every time I give to a big charity, I, I increase in my, in my finances. And he said, it's just like the law of the universe. And I'm like, no, it's the law of sowing and reaping. But they've, you know, and these are, it's in a lot of these business books and these guys are taking it and they're using it and they're writing about it and they're using the law of faith, the law of sowing and reaping and it's working for them. So even Satan uses this law. So the second thing is you're gonna have to see it. I think I'm gonna start getting a vision wall and putting more things on it because I'm starting to see in the Bible where God is starting to use vision to show people things. And so, the third thing, so the first thing is, is faith produces a substance. Second, you're going to have to see it. Third, low-grade fellowship is going to be low-grade faith. And so um, think about uh, David fellowshipping with God, turned him from a shepherd boy into the king. Gideon went from working in the wheat fields to a warrior. Peter went from a fisherman to an apostle. So these people were people that spent time with God, and it produced a high-grade faith. And so the manifestations and demonstrations of God, like I said, they're never going to be any bigger in your life than they are in your soul. Let's go back to Hebrews 11. I want to show you, and I would take the scriptures by faith in like what um, Joel Osteen, I'm going to read some of this book because he has a whole like eight pages on imagination. And I think uh, Andrew Walmack does too. And um I started reading these because sometimes you get so busy that the dreams and things you've had, you start to put them down because of you're just, you're busy. And you, you come home and you pass out and you get up, you go to work, you come home, you pass out. And those, some of those dreams you've had kind of start right out the door. You're not so much for as believing for them. And so uh, Pastor Mark's son-in-law, Kayla Moran, he did a study on millionaires and billionaires, and he said all of them have one thing in common. They all find a room in their house one hour a day, and they go sit in it and dream. And one of the guys was saying he puts on this, like, symphony music, and he just sits in his chair, and he just dreams. Because you have to allow yourself to dream. You're creating in the image of God. I mean, God, you know, dreamt up the world and that he would have a family, and, and you can't pull yourself, your imagination so far away from God or, or pull yourself from all that and expect to have results from just working, working, working all the time. And that, because what's going to happen is then your, the dream is going to be like, I hate this. I don't even know why I do this anymore, and you're going to want to quit. And so you need times to pull away. So Hebrews 11, I'm not even there. I was there. 
And I love this, how it starts off. It says, by faith in verse four, Abel offered a sacrifice more excellent than Cain. He obtained the witnesses that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, and through it, he began dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away, so he did not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. For, for before he was taken, he had a testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, preparing an ark for the saving of his household, by which he contended the world and became an heir of righteousness, which was according to faith. So Noah had a corresponding action to his faith. If you read down, it'll say, by faith, Abraham. By faith, he, he moved out to a foreign country that he didn't even know. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah. All the way to all these died in faith. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Moses. By faith, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, Rahab. By faith, they stopped the mouths of lions. So you have to have faith in order to do what God's asking you to do. And you're gonna need faith. And so those, and I, one day I sat there and just read by faith, by faith, by faith. And I love that Abraham left his country to a place that he did not even know. And so um, I wanna talk to you about imagination real quick. This is really cool. Joel Osteen's talking about release your faith in a big way. And he talks about how God has done exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, Ephesians 3. He said, do you have just a little vision of what God can do for you? You're not inconveniencing God to believe big. In fact, when you believe to do great things, it pleases God. Take the limits off and say, I don't see a way, but God knows whether, uh, I don't see a way, but God. I know you have a way, so I'm going to believe you to start a business and impact the world. I'm going to believe that my whole family will serve you. I'm going to believe to get totally well. doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. God is a supernatural God. He's not limited by your resources, by your environment, by your education, by your nationality. If you have a big vision, God will not only do what you're dreaming about, he will do more than you can ask or think. A few years ago, my father went, this was, uh, oh no, a few years after my father went to be with the Lord, I stepped up to pastor his church. I had a desire to write a book that my dad, I had a desire to write a book. My dad had written many books and they were all translated into Spanish. On the bookshelf, I walked by home every day. I had two copies of my dad's most popular book. One was in English and the other one was in Spanish. I kept those books in front of me, knowing that one day, the right time, I would write a book. My dream was that too, to be translated into Spanish. My mind in my mind, this seems so far out. I never thought I could get up and minister, much less write a book. It was a stretch of my faith. A year went by, no book. Two years, three years, four years. It would have been easy to lose my passion and think that it was never gonna happen. But I had my father's book strategically placed on his bookshelf right outside my closet. I saw them thousands of times. I didn't always consciously think about them, but subconsciously, I was moving inward to write my own book. My faith, oh, I was moving towards writing my own book. My faith was being released. Something on the inside of me was saying, yes, one day I'm gonna write a book. In 2004, I wrote my first book, Your Best Life Now. When the publisher read the manuscripts, they decided to publish it in English and in Spanish at the same time. Normally, they wait to see if anybody buys it in English, but that's the way that God is. He, his dream for you is bigger in life than your own. And so he goes on to the next one where he said that... Um, he, he had ended up writing like 40-something books or he, he'd ended up writing 
so many different books, and then he got them translated into 49 different languages. And so uh, he would talk about Jim Carrey would take a check when he was failing and acting for $1 million, and he'd write it and stick it in his wallet so he'd see it every single day. And he said that you have to have a vision and see it. And so I started noticing something. So I want to show you first picture. Can you put that up, please? Mm. Is anybody besides Zach and Amber, what is that? That's a Ford Raptor, but that's at Prestige Ford in Mount Dora, and I took that with my phone. Go to the next one. It's going to show you the date. December 14th, 2017, Mark Hankins is talking to me, and he's saying, what do you want from God? I'm like, well, what I want, I can't really have. And he said, no, it's not what the word says. And he might have said that even a year after, but I had started, like Dad said, I went to the dealership, and I took a photo, and I went and looked at it, and I walked around, and they had another one there, and I got a photo of that one, and I, and I, I saved it on my screensaver. I put it up somewhere. So this is 2017. Next photo. 2019, remember Zach? Remember how you said, oh, I remember when he put the Raptor on everyone's computer at church. I made it their screensaver. We didn't have a lot of people at that time. I think it was just me and a few other people. But I put it on the church computer that I looked at it every day. So it's December 7th, 2019. The next photo, I think I even put it up. Some days I put it up on the screen so I could walk by and look at it on the big LED wall. You know, while I'm working, my God, Scott, that's my truck. That's what I'm believing God for. I'm going to have that truck. That's two years later. Nothing happened. Next photo. It's 2017 to 2020. I'm taking this photo as like, hey, mom, take this photo of me. This is Pastor Mark's truck. And it's been since 2017. It's been, been three years. So I don't own the truck at that point. Next photo. June 22nd. July 2nd. 2020, a few days later, I own the truck. I drive home with it. And so on the other day, I'm realizing, I'm like, oh, my goodness, this started in 2017. I did exactly as Pastor said. I went to the dealership, and I'm walking out of the parking lot, and I'm like snapping photos, and I'm like, hey, you want to? No, I don't want to take it for, you know, I don't think they even came out. They probably saw me pull up in a white, my, they, yeah, I actually pulled up in the white CRV, and nobody came out. And nobody, it's like, this kid's not going to buy no Raptor. So, that actually produced a literal substance of pictures I saw every single day. And every day I'm driving, I said, I have this truck in Jesus' name. And then I started to fall off of it, and Dad's like, well, I don't think your faith is there yet. Why don't you believe God for a Tacoma? And then it went to like, well, why don't you get like a single cab Tacoma, the little one for like $20,000, and then increase your faith. You know, he's like, you got to start somewhere. And I'm like, no. Pastor Mark gave me a scripture, he gave me a word from the Lord like Abraham, and he says that whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you will receive them and you shall have them. And then I would say, well, I can't afford it. And Mark said, that's not what the Bible said. It don't matter what you can afford. So this is going beyond your, what your resources because you're not dimming the lights in heaven buying a truck like that. Because every businessman who doesn't love Jesus is driving that truck. And they're allowed to have it, and Satan's kids can have it, but God's kids, who the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the, the cattle on a thousand hills are the Lord's, the silver and the gold are the Lord's, and yet the Satan's kids have all the trucks. I want one of them trucks. I'm going to get me one of them trucks. So I don't care how I have to get it. So, And another thing is that I would just begin, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I can't see it physically, but I see myself driving this truck. And I'm the Lord, I'd come to a Mark Hangins meeting, and, and I'd have $1,000, and the Lord would say, sow it. 
I'm like, well, it's not enough to meet my need, but it's a seed, so I'm going to sow it. And then I get a few hundred or more dollars, and I sow it, and I sow it, and I sow it. Probably not even anywhere close to what. He had about $55,000 in this truck, and I guarantee I never sowed anywhere close to that. But God's not he, sowing and reaping and multiplication. He's not looking for you to decrease. He didn't pull out stuff in, in the Bible for you, to go, for you to give yourself broke. Hey, I'm God. Yeah, I want you guys to give at church, and hopefully you guys are all going to go broke. No, he put that in, in the Bible because it actually he's looking to increase you and multiply you so the word of God can go out in the earth, people can get born again. And I'm going to enjoy myself while I'm here, and I'm going to drive the nice trucks that the Lord made all the metal and steel, and I don't think Satan should have it. Uh, show me the next photo. Okay, so here we go again. August 23rd, 2021. Now, obviously, me and Dad have been talking about this before, but I start screenshotting photos of a plane. Start believing God, and I start driving by the first landings airport, and I said, I'm going to get my pilot's license in Jesus' name in 2021. I actually started way before that, but this is the date that I actually started saving photos. Because there has to be, like with Abraham, walk outside and look at the stars and try to count them if you can. And that's what I'm going to do for you. And so I believe that Abraham every night probably went out and looked at the stars and said, mm, God made me a promise. Ooh, praise the Lord. And I think that's why I did that. So something he could see every day. It's always before him. How could you not, when you're out in the middle of a desert, see the stars? So August 23rd, 2021, next photo. Then here we go. September 17th, I'm screenshotting more photos, saving in my phone. Next photo. February 5th, this is this year. This is Mark Hankins' jet. I'm still taking photos and saving them in my phone, and I'm looking at them every day. Next photo. April 4th, this year. Next photo. April 27th, still saving photos and looking at them every day. Next photo. Dad found that a few months, maybe six months before I started flight school, and he, and he gave it to me, and I put it on my desk, and it sits right there, looking at it every day. So I come into work. And there's my two monitors, and there's my little photo of me. I never even knew that that even, ever even happened. That's the 172 that Dad took of me when I was a kid. So that photo sitting right in front of my desk every day. Next photo. May 24th, first day of flight school. You don't have to play the music, but you can just click on the next one. So now my faith has literally produced almost a year later from me saving photos and looking at a vision every day now my faith is actually producing a literal substance that I can actually touch, I can see. And so my first day of school, they didn't let me fly. But uh, Stephen, who's a Christian, a uh, good friend of mine, he starts taking me through. And now I'm literally touching a literal substance now. And going, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I'm in flight school now. But it started with a vision. It started with putting a vision before my eyes. It's something that I can look at where I'm going. And so we go through all the stuff, and he's showing me how the whole plane works. And I'm literally just like... I cannot believe this is happening right now. And this is when the Lord begins to show me, see what your father's been saying all these years, and now this is how this works. So you can, you can move past that, go to the next one. So then May, 34, thir May, May 30th, I'm, I'm in school now. Next one. June 27th, this is the first uh, plane that I started flying. And so now I'm literally in the air at this point. June 27th, I, don't, I think I, I may have, um, I think I took my first flight a little bit before that. So about a year, about a year, a little less than a year later. Next photo. Oh, no, I'll go to the next one. Okay. Start flying the 150. Then I moved up to a bigger plane. This is the 172. It's got a lot more horsepower, goes a lot faster. And now I'm like, oh, wow, this is cool. 
And dad told me, he goes, well, you'll, what will probably happen is you'll fly the 150, you'll get out of school, and then you'll move up to a new plane. Because you have to memorize all the stuff about the V-speeds, how fast it goes, the glide speeds, the emergency procedures. So I'm like, okay, well, it's not a good idea to switch planes because I'm barely getting the 150. Well, then the 150 breaks, so they put me in a new one. Now I'm flying a bigger and a faster plane. I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm not ready for this. So what did he say? He does exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask for. Saying, God said, I have a bigger vision for you. Like Abraham, I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. And he's like, you're going to be the father of nations. Next photo. This is a Vans RV10. So last week, I flew four four different planes in the same week. So now I am on my third plane. This plane does 211 miles an hour top speed. And uh, I think it's... it's a little bit over 180 horsepower. Uh, it is screaming fast. It moves so fast, I couldn't even, I didn't even know what was happening. And it's all digital display panels. Uh, I don't even, I wasn't even, I've not even been trained on this. There was a guy at the airport, and it's funny how God will start aligning you up as you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you're believing God. And I'll tell you a funny story about this exact model of a plane coming up. But one of the kids one day goes, hey, Let's go out and let's just walk to the airport. I'm like, oh, I really don't, I really don't feel like doing that. But okay, I'll go with you. So we go in there, and there's a guy named Rob, and uh, I start talking to Rob, becoming Rob's friend. So one day, I'm at the airport, like last week, and Stephen and I are doing a flight, and then I saw Rob there, and Rob and I are starting to become friends. And I felt just something in me just say, just go ask him if he's taking any of the, the planes up today, because he's got five planes. So if you think that there's a guy out there that I don't know if he's saved or not that's got five planes. He's got way more than he can even fly. You don't even fly him half the time. The church can believe God for one plane. I'm going to take this off because it keeps hitting. Um, so I said, Rob, I said, uh, if it's not too much, I said, I'd love to go fly with you if you're going to take this up, maybe do some engine checks. I said, I, I, I love the Vans RV planes. And he said, and I said, but you don't have to say yes. You know, you know, if you say no, I'm okay with that. He goes, well, why don't you come on up, go on your flight and come back. So we go on our flight. He takes me. We taxi out. He doesn't let me take off because it's way too much power. You can't move that fast from small planes to bigger planes because it's almost jet start rolling in around 300 miles an hour, 350, 400, 500 is what the stuff, you know, like the little tiny jets, the commute, not the, that you get on with Delta. They'll do probably 300, 400 cruise speed. This is getting close to that. And so I got in this plane, and he, we went up over Leesburg, and we were in Leesburg in three minutes. And it I did something to me. It did something to my faith. I was like, I cannot believe I'm sitting in this plane right now. Oh, my goodness. And the, I still have, like, visions of the flight because it happened so fast. We went up, and within seconds, the airport was so far below us and all the other little planes that I usually fly with. And it was like we were so far above them. And next thing you know, we're 4,500 feet cruising over to Leesburg. It's got all the stuff I've never. It's like the, the, the airliner jet stuff that I'm not trained on yet. And he starts teaching me how to use it. And I'm going I'm not even certified to be, but hey, he's showing me how to use it. I'm going to use it. So he's giving me a rundown quickly, and he's like, do this, do this, and I want you to I'll show you how to do this. I'm going to show you how to fly. So I'm flying this plane, and we're going over, and I'm going, oh, my goodness. I'm flying stuff that, like, guys, I mean, they fly at the same plane all through school. And then they get out, and they keep building hours. They keep building hours. Within only a few months of school, I'm already flying planes bigger than the students are flying. And so I get down, go out, and one of the CFIs are like, he lets you fly that thing? And I said, yeah, he let me fly it. They're like, oh, my gosh. You don't even have like 20-something hours, and you're already flying these. So I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? So next photo. 
So that's another, that's going to be my fourth plane that I start flying. That's Pastor Doug Bankson's old plane that him and dad were talking about buying. And then he did decided, dad was like, I don't, you know, I'm not going to buy it. It's too much. And then now I'm flying it. So somebody else bought it, but I get to fly it. So now I'm on my fourth plane. Next one. This is my fifth plane. So the school called me. So I switched to a new plane because that one was always open. And uh, the, the 172 was always booked. And Rob's plane, you know, I can't just go in there and be like, hey, can I borrow your plane? But the school bought a brand new plane that's for training, like, airliners, type ratings, IFR. You can get all your ratings in this plane. It's got all the latest digital panels that they train the people to go to school in. So the school calls me and says, hey, tomorrow, half price, we'll take you up and teach you how to fly it. Oh, sure, why not? Jump in there. They let me fly it. We go up. Uh, it's got way more horsepower. It's way more power than I'm used to, but they let me fly. They play with all the autopilot stuff. Now, obviously, with the landing, I, t- I did the takeoff fine in it, but with the landing, I butchered it, so they had to take controls back, which is fine because I always have the, you know, if you're going to fail, fail forward and just fail fast. You don't, don't wait forever to do something. Just I'm just going to learn as I'm, as I'm failing because I'm eventually going to get it. So now, this is my, I'm on my fifth plane now, and uh, I'm starting to go, okay, Lord, what is going on here? So now I'm starting a little vision board of every plane that I've ever flown. And this was all just like a dream, like what, a year ago that I just said, you know, Dad, I believe God, we're going to start flight school. We don't have the money. I don't have the money. But what I did was I started going down to the airport. And him and I started talking on and off, and I was like, well, that's a lot of money, $7,000 to go to flight school, blah, blah, blah. And then, but what's funny is how it says with Noah, when God said, you're going to build an ark, he started taking steps moving towards with godly fear in that direction. So faith without a corresponding action is dead. It's not going to work. So what, like dad says, go to the dealership. So what I do, I went into first landings, and I got their pamphlet of all their pricing, and I taped it up right here a year ago, and I looked at it every day. I'm going to flight school at first landings. That's what I'm going to do. And you just sat there and hung in my office. And subconsciously, like Joel was saying, something gets down into your spirit. And I'm just looking at it, and I don't know when it's going to happen. And then one day they hired a new girl, and I'm in there, and she really wanted me to come to school. And so it wasn't, they changed some policies, and the price got a little cheaper, and they didn't require everything up front. They just said, well, you can put a down payment, and then you can just start. And then you just pay as you go a little bit here and there when you get it. I'm like, so I called that. He said, just start. Cool. So I started two guys that um, used to go to this church. One of them moved back. They started donating money. They're like, oh, hey, you're in flight school. I saw your first flight. I'd like to sow towards that. Boom, the money started coming in. So the vision, money follows vision, like Pastor said. All I had to do was just follow, be faithful, and step out and say, I'm going to start doing this. So I went to the airport probably two or three times within a year. Just walk in, grab a little pamphlet. Hey, what do I need to get? Okay, I got my headphones. Kenny walked in one day and just handed me some headphones. I'm like, cool, got my headphones, set my headphones on my desk at home and looking at them. And then I walk back in a couple months later, talking to him, and then dad walks in. He goes, oh, they say you need to buy these books. So I bought all the books, got all the books ready. And I'm looking at them, and I'm reading through them. So I started on that direction of where I'm going. Next thing you know, a few months later, I'm flying. So I want to show you the next photo. Oh, yep, yep, that's me flying that. Okay, next one. That's, that's, so, 
May 28th, this is a Vans RV10. It's basically an experiment, experimental plane that you can build. They're about $100,000, but they're going anywhere from $300,000 right now. And me and dad are like, we really like this plane. You can take four people to Mark Hankins, and it's screaming fast at 211 miles an hour. And you're not just like sitting up there for four hours or, or six hours. You're just cranking, which is dangerous because if you don't understand airspace, you can bust airspaces, and that's bad. So you want to start slow. But I'm already saying no. What did Zach tell me the other night? He, he was, we were at Mary Fran, and he said he was crying, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, whatever plane you want, God said, it's yours. And I'm like, oh, man. So I'm just going to start believing God. But before all that happened, I had my eyes on this exact plane, which is not something you just buy. You have to build it, right? People build it. And they're not everywhere, but, you know, actually, I've, I have rarely seen them in Orlando. I see a lot of Sears, but I've not seen this. So next, May 28th, next photo. So I get all the stats on it. I'm looking at the stats. I'm reading everything about the vans. I got it on my iPad. I'm watching YouTube videos on it. I got pictures of it up. May 28th, next photo. What, I, what day was this? There should have been a date on that. But this was last week. So on, from May 28th, actually go back to the, the, other, the other video. So what was, what was last week? Like the October? So from May to October, the exact plane, that's an RV-10 that I was dreaming of, I flew it. So your vision produces, your faith produces a literal substance. I mean, this thing is decked out. It's got the carbon fiber. And uh, he just took me up and he, he started letting me fly it. And I was like, and I'm tweaking out going, oh my goodness, my, what I've been believing God for, what I've been looking at is where I've been going. And so at this point, I've been like a kid in a candy store because I'm like, so this is me flying it. We're 4,500 feet over Leesburg. 141 knots, 160 miles an hour. So uh, talk about a literal, and that's why it's so dangerous what you're looking at all the time. Because um, So this is my new one with the Acts 3, 13, 34, but I got to start believing God for something bigger now because I've already flown all those planes, and they're too small now. And God already put me in a bigger plane, and he's already stretching my faith out to do more. And so now i got to change my screensaver because I'm like, well, I don't want a 172 anymore because now I, I want something, you know. We're, so that's, I keep that stuff in front of my face all the time. I think that was the last one. That's it, right? Yeah, that's, that's our next uh, thing that me and dad have put on the wall. But I'm going to start building a vision wall because what I've noticed is that that what we're looking at is where what ends up happening to us. And so, um, yeah, faith without a corresponding action. So I've started, and to believe means that you live by something. You're to, it's by live, you live by this. And so I, I'm starting to say I see the church full, both services. I see us discipling lots of people in Bible school. I see us having a big school for kids. I see all of my family serving the Lord. I see the whole city coming to hear the word of God. I see myself operating in the gifts of the Spirit. I see the anointing increasing on me. I see my dreams and visions and increasing and getting more accurate when I sleep. I see myself growing in God. I see myself with a new home and a family. And the fifth thing is, so faith has a corresponding action. That's the fourth thing. Fifth thing is show me your friends and I'll show you where you're going. Friends, how they talk, puts pictures in your mind. They can talk negative or positive or it's just simply small vision, and we're going to go to Numbers 13. This will be the last thing. Or close to the last thing, I think, Numbers 24. So has anybody else ever seen this in their life where they, and I'm telling you, 
the stuff that I've put up, I've seen all of it come to pass. Photos, I mean, just pictures that I just stuck up on the wall, like Pastor said, just stick it up on the wall. And I, and I need to get better at building a bigger, uh, a bigger vision board. Because I'm realizing that everything, like the other day, I'm dumping all these photos off my phone, and the Lord said, hey, hey, wait a minute. Um, didn't you see the, all these dates of things and then what the time frame that they came to pass? And I was like, oh, my goodness, I got I to gotta show, show everybody this. So 13.1, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man. Everyone a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all the men who were heads of the children of Israel. I'm going to skip 4 through uh, 16. And um, so he said 18 or 17, Moses sent them out to spy the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way to the south to the mountains and see what the land's like, whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or stronghold, whether the land's rich or poor. So he said, I want you to go see it. I want to see it, what the land looks like. Back to the vision. So we're going to jump 25. They returned from spying out the land after 40 days, and they departed and came to the congregation, Moses, back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and brought back word of the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land. So they brought it back and said, look at the fruit. They told them and said, yes, the land... Where you sent us, it truly flows with milk and honey and all of its fruit. Nevertheless, the people, so now they're going to paint a negative picture. The people in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. They're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. What does it sound like? Yeah, it's great, but you can't do this. We're not doing this. Have you ever had anybody say that to you? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you could be a pilot, but it's not, or people are pilots, but not you. So, and that's kind of that pain and that negative. You can hang around people like, oh, well, yeah, that's never going to happen for me. Or, oh, yeah, good luck if, that, if you ever get that. Well, that's exactly what it sounds like. God said, I'm already giving this to you. They're coming back and saying, well, yeah, it's nice. But yeah, us little Jewish people taking on those big guys, well, you don't know what God's going to do. They're already afraid of them because they heard about their God. And so um, basically, they gave him a bad report, and so, like I said earlier, the people who believe the negative report, they got exactly that. So who you're hanging out with, who you're talking to, who's giving negative reports, that's what you're going to get. But the people who believe Joshua and Caleb, they went into the land and they possessed the land. So who you're hanging out with, who your friends are, and I heard a saying, it says, show me your friends and I'll show you where you're going. And so Numbers uh, 24 is the last one. Actually, we have Mark 11, 23, and 24. I've got 10 minutes to make it happen. And I'm going to show you the, that I have. You have to stay till the end because I have the big reveal. You got to stay till all the way to the end because there's something else I want to show you. So 24, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, Balaam saw saw with his eyes, please the Lord. He's, a, he's a, a man who practiced divination. He's a sorcerer. He saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel. He did not go the other times and seek to use sorcery. But he set his face toward the wilderness, and Balaam raised his eyes, saw Israel, encamped according to the tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. He took up his oracles, and he said, The utterance of Balaam, the, the son of Bor, 
the utterance of the man whose eyes are open, the utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, he's seeing vision now, who falls down with eyes wide open. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel, like valleys that stretch out, like gardens by the riverside, like aloes painted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. He shall pour waters from his buckets, and his seeds shall be many in the waters. The king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt, and, and it ha he has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations and his enemies. He shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. His boat, he bows down and he lies down as a lion, as the lion who shall rouse him. Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. So Balak's anger was aroused against Balaam, and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies, and look at you. You have bountifully blessed them these three times. Now, therefore, flee your place, and I've said, that I would say greatly honor. And let me see. He said, he goes, I'm going to go down to something. He said, uh, he basically said, he picked up his oracles and he said at the end, he says, what I said will come to pass. This is a man who is a sorcerer who God has shown him vision begins to speak and then it becomes to pass. And the man who was sent to curse, told him to curse him, he didn't curse him. So the last thing is, your vision must be spoken. Mark 11, 23 and 24, you don't have to go there. Have faith in God or have the faith of God, but you're not having faith in man. You're not having faith in, in men's abilities and people's abilities. Uh, you know, I have friends that say they're gonna do stuff for me all the time. Contractors that say they're gonna do stuff for me and, uh, you know, half time doesn't work out. So I don't have faith in people. I have faith in God. For surely if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say, you shall have whatsoever things you say shall come to pass. So one thing Brother Hagin says is that the believing part is one time and the saying part is three times. That you can actually school yourself in the arena of faith by your words, by what you're saying. So grab the scriptures up and begin to say, put pictures of the things you want, what you're believing God for, put scriptures under them, and begin to say those things. And so he says, whatsoever things you, so, whatsoever things you say, that those things will come to pass. So I want to show you one last thing. This is going to be a, a pastor. Who remembers this photo? Miss Barbara, do you remember this? Bob, you remember this. Do you remember how long this set in the first church? And you know what? Remember pastor said, the Lord gave me a vision of the new building, and I, and I took it to somebody, and they actually drew it. And they printed it. This is the church we're in now. Off of what? Someone's vision. And what he did was he took it and he stuck it in the foyer at the first building we had. And it was there, I mean, quite a while, right? I mean, it was there a couple years. Just every year we go in, the same photo was right on the left as you walked in. It was sitting on the wall. And I'm, sometimes you're thinking, man, when is this ever going to happen? You know, and every Sunday or every month, the Lord showed me the new building we're going to have. I took it and drew it. And I'm like, at some point, I heard this story a thousand times. You know, like, <laughs> the Lord showed him a building. Okay, well, let's see the building. And um, so yesterday, I was, the Lord said, it's in the shed. Go find it. And I'm like, that picture is probably buried so far back somewhere. And I was literally walked in the shed, and it was sitting right there. And the Lord said, bring it out show him. So this is Dad's vision from the, what, 19, what year was this, 1990s? Did he put this up? 
1990s. So, first vision, write it down, make it plain, make to where they can see it, running with it, for it'll be for an appointed time, they'll, they'll have to see it, and then look what he did this time. So tell me, is this coming to pass? Yes. It's going to come to pass. Now, how long has this been sitting out there? It's been out there a little while. <laughs> and so, so sometimes I'm like, Dad, can we just take this? I mean, people, we've seen have this thing out there for years. Can we just put this in the back? You know, like, just been sitting out there. But he's like, no, leave it out there. Why is it? He's birthing a, a vision as something that's building faith in people of what the new church is going to look like. It's going to have a 500-seat auditorium. And I learned this from him. And, you know, it's funny is that the Bible says even though it tarries, it'll come to pass. It'll Surely it'll come to pass. And so you keep believing, you keep speaking. And I realized that, that sometimes I got tired of, I'm like, can we just clean the foyer up and just get this, this thing's been out. There's like furniture now, so old, you know. But then I realized that the old one was, was the same exact situation. And so what do you believe in God for that maybe you're like, ah, well, I was believing that a few years ago. But start getting pictures up. Start putting them up. There's something with vision. I'm not saying that I have all the answers of faith or how it all works. But I know one thing is that there's a lot of times God in the Bible said, look at this. He told Jeremiah and one, he said, what, Jeremiah, look, what do you see? Jeremiah said, I see an almond tree. And he said, you've seen very well. I, will, I am watching over my word to perform it. And so he comes to Jeremiah and says, look at something. Tell me what you see. And so even though sometimes this stuff seems very insignificant, and I've, I've always kind of sometimes, I haven't taken the vision board thing very serious with sometimes friends that do that. But I think now I'm going to start taking a lot more serious. And so... Um, yeah, just you're gonna you're gonna go home and don't don't delay it. Just I'm gonna start printing some stuff out tomorrow and start putting some stuff up because it does something to you. I mean, we're wired and created like God, and there's something about vision. There's something about seeing something every day to where next thing you know, you're flying five different airplanes, and you're like, wow, I was expecting one airplane all the way through 40 hours of school. Maybe one day fly a little bigger one. And God said, nope, we're going to start, you're going to start flying the bigger ones. And so I just told the Lord, I said, I'm just going to take the limits off. Like Andrew Womack said, don't limit God. And so Trina Hankins, one time she was praying over me like a year ago, and she said, no limits, no limits, no limits. And you know, when you first hear it, you're like, yes, I take that word. And then after like a year, you're like, oh man, there's all kinds of limits on me, man. This life's hard. <laughs> but then Mary Fran, we were in a service and she said, sky is even not the limit. She was prophesying. And she said, don't limit me to even the sky. And I said, okay, Lord, we got to start stop taking the limits off of you. But it's our faith. Dr. Cho said when he'd have 2,000 people, he'd start believing for 5,000. Then he'd get 5,000, he'd believe for 10,000. All the way to, a, he, you know, a million people. But he said that God had to get him to see it inside, him pastoring a million member church. And I believe that what you're believing for is where, where you're going to end up. And what you're saying and what you're looking at all the time and who you're talking to and who you're hanging out with. And, and it's, sometimes it's hard. I get it. You work with jobs with crazy people, but you got to keep that stuff. Even though Abraham, he went out and kept looking or Jacob, he just kept putting that before the sheep and saying, I'm just going to keep cutting and putting these things before them. And I'm going to be free from Laban and I'm going to have my own sheep and they're all going to be speckled and spotted. 
So I don't know, maybe I'll try that on my chickens, you know. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you that faith opens doors. Vision opens doors to the supernatural. That you're a supernatural God. You're not a, a God of reason, of logic. You're a God that says, believe me for the impossible. Nothing is impossible to those who believe. And I think we take that for granted. And yeah, nothing's impossible to God, but what about the God in, in us? And the God moving in us and believing through us. Father, we just... I, I pray that every person tonight would start grabbing pictures of things they want, of things they're believing God for, whether it's material things, but their family, maybe becoming born again, getting saved, serving the Lord, maybe things they're going to do for the Lord. And I pray they'd start putting them up on their walls, that like Jonathan said, he'd put that scripture up, and everywhere in his house he walked, he saw that photo when, of the whole city came to hear the word of the Lord. And I pray that we would get a bigger vision outside of what we're doing right now that, like David tonight, bring in the big monster trucks. We just have a big vision for the fall fest. We just think a little bigger. We, think, we just think monstrous, Father. To see people born again, it's not for the world, but it's for you, Jesus. We thank you for that. And I pray that tonight would birth something in the people to where we would start, I hear the testimonies from left and right about the big things that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you all enjoyed tonight. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.